In Jim and Tamara Graff's new book, Maximum Impact, you'll learn the importance of living by the Holy Spirit, understanding practical ways to do so in your daily life. If you want more of our God and the kind of power it takes to make a maximum impact on our world, visit significantlife.com. And for your gift of any amount, receive your copy of Maximum Impact today. Visit significantlife.com. We're so glad you're taking time to invest in your spiritual life. And we're excited today about finishing our five-part series in the middle. Tim, I've so enjoyed sharing biblical insight, explaining how to receive the Holy Spirit's work well when we're in the middle of things. So Romans 8.28 becomes our reality, which promises us that God will work for the good in the midst of all things if we receive His leadership well in our lives. Yeah, and walking into good in the midst of all things is such an important skill to learn, right? And what could be better to trust than the five-part process that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 4? I want to remind our viewers that you can receive teaching on each of the five parts of the process on Pray.com through our Pray On Demand site or through a Significant Life YouTube channel. Let's enjoy today's teaching. I remember the first time someone said to me, you know, Jim, God wants to pour out his favor on your life. And I thought, well, that sounds good, but what does it really mean to live in God's favor? I knew what it meant to live in my mama's favor. She told me I was her favorite all the time as her youngest of five. And what that meant is whenever she made a cake and she put icing on the cake, I was the one who would get the spatula and I'd be the one who'd get to lick the icing. But what does it mean to live in the favor of the Lord? Well, we're going to see today that first of all, it means that God protects us from things that sin's doing in the world that we wouldn't be protected from if it wasn't for the favor of the Lord. And then we're going to learn that it means that God's going to birth things through the power of his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit that wouldn't be birthed and brought about in our lives if it wasn't for the favor of God. For instance, in Genesis 6-8, the Bible says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And you remember the story, there was going to be great destruction upon earth because of the power of sin, but God saved Noah and he protected his family because of the favor of the Lord. And then this is a great favor story. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, and it talks about how the angel of the Lord Gabriel visited Mary whenever she was a teenager and a virgin. And the Bible says that he said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored because the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the Bible says the angel said to her, don't be afraid, you found favor with God and you're going to conceive and you're going to give birth to a son and you're to call his name Jesus. And an understanding of favor is what caused Moses to pray this in Psalm 90 verse 17. He said, may the favor of the Lord rest on us and establish the work of your hands for us, Lord. Yes, establish the work of our hands. 
See, Moses understood that the things that God wanted to do in his life, that God wanted to do in Israel's life, they couldn't happen regardless of how hard he tried. He needed the power of God to partner with him if God was going to fulfill the plan that he had for Moses' life and if he was going to fulfill the plan that he had for Israel. Maybe this will help us understand it clearly this morning. Proverbs 18.22 says that he who finds a wife finds what's good and we receive favor from the Lord through our wife. So what that means is whenever our wives started dating us, they made us feel like we were the greatest things in the whole world. Then we heard about all the things we could do that they admired and all the things they were grateful for. But at some point there was a shift and they started talking to you about the things they needed to help you with in life. Can you say amen? And the truth is, as people, we have limitations. And the reason that God created us with limitations is because whenever we have limitations, if we'll learn love, what will happen is people will partner with us when we have limitations. And together, we'll do what we could never do alone, and we'll create great memories as we do the things that we do together. Well, in the same way, the Lord wants to partner with us, which means the Lord wants to do his part so that his promises come to pass in our lives. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about in this final message on our, in our series, In the Middle. You remember that Jesus went to the people in his hometown synagogue. He had grown up in Nazareth from the time he was a little boy, and he ended up uh, worshiping in that synagogue every week until he was 30 years old. And this was really the first year of his ministry. He had just been down to Jerusalem, and, you know, there was a just a, a reverberation of his greatness that was throughout Israel because of the anointing that was on his life. And the Bible said he came to his hometown and they handed him the book of Isaiah and he read these words that the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And we're going to understand why when Jesus got done, he stopped right there at that point where he talked about the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible says he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And then it said the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fastened on Jesus. So I brought this chair today so that we would think a minute about how Jesus read about the favor of God, then he sat down in a chair. And I read that the reason that he sat in the chair is because it was customary in that day that whenever rabbis would teach people the scripture, they would read the scripture and then they would sit in a chair and they would teach everybody. So I thought it'd be fun this morning because the way they did it was the rabbi sat in the chair and everybody stood up for the whole sermon. So I thought we could do that today. So none of you fall asleep. No, I'm just kidding you, but that's the way that they used to do it. And then the Bible says that Jesus said this, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now this is where things got a little bit tense. At first, they were amazed with the words that came from Jesus' lips, but they all knew that Isaiah 61 was a messianic uh, passage. Now what's
what's a messianic passage? It's a passage that was about the Messiah that was spoken before the Messiah came and it was going to be fulfilled when the Messiah came. And Jesus hadn't spoken and said that he was the Messiah up to this point except to one person in Scripture and that was the woman at the well in Samaria. He had told her that she was speaking to the Messiah. But he wasn't saying that publicly a lot because afterwards, if you read the whole story, they took Jesus to a hill and they were going to throw him over the cliff because it was considered blasphemy to say that you were the Messiah. But in his hometown, Jesus looked at them and when he said to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, what Jesus was saying is today, you're looking at the Messiah who God promised to send to Israel. And then after Jesus said that, he said this to them, surely you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, and you'll tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you've done throughout Capernaum. Jesus was saying that you guys have heard about the fact that miracles are happening because of the Spirit of God that's on me, but I want you to understand why the Spirit of God works. And the Spirit of God works because somebody understands what it means to receive the favor of the Lord well in their heart. And today we're going to learn what Jesus was trying to say to the people in his hometown, and that is that we're blessed because we receive the invitation of God well in our heart to experience his presence. We're not blessed just because we sit in church and receive instruction instruction week after week that can help us to be blessed but it's not enough for us to experience the blessing of the Lord in our life so this morning we're going to read from the book of Isaiah that Jesus was reading and we're going to see first of all why he stopped where he did and then we're going to learn how to receive the favor of God in our life in Isaiah's writings this is what it says the spirit of the Lord's upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And then when he got to the point where he said, I've come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the Bible says he closed the book, he handed it to the attendant, and he sat down. Now, why did Jesus do that? Well, because after the acceptable year of the Lord, there's a comma. And the next phrase says, and he came to talk about the day of vengeance of our God. And Jesus stopped because he wasn't there to talk about the day of vengeance of our God. You see, Jesus, according to Scripture, was, is going to visit the earth twice. The first time he visits the earth, he, he comes in Isaiah 9, 6, as a baby who's born in the city of Bethlehem. And the first time Jesus came, it's so that we as people would learn to live forgiven by God, we would learn to live in the favor of God, and we'd have God bless our future because of the love and the power of God. The second time Jesus comes, according to Zechariah 14.4, he's gonna be the king who returns to the Mount of Olives. And this time that Jesus comes, he's gonna come as the judge of the whole earth and he's going to judge his enemies, and he's going to take vengeance upon those who wouldn't receive his mercy. But Jesus closed the book because 
his message was about the favor of God. And if you read the passage, the next thing he did was he talked about the woman who was a widow in Zarephath and how Elijah wasn't sent to any widow who was in Israel who was suffering the same things this widow was suffering, but he was sent to this lady. Now, why was he sent to her? Because when, when Elijah looked at her, he said, give me the first part of your bread. Give me some bread to eat. And she said, sir, she said, I only have one meal left. And she gave Elijah the first of what she had. And when she did, God multiplied and sustained her and blessed her. And Jesus was teaching a lesson, and that is we can't just come to church and be instructed, but it's an invitation to put the Lord first in our life. That's why God asked us for the first day of the week, which is Sunday, to worship. When we come into the house of God, we're saying, God, you're first in my life. It's why he asked us to give him the first part of the day. When we wake up in the morning, we're saying, God, you're first in my life. It's why he asked for the first part of our income because when we give him the first part of our income, we're saying, God, you're first in my life. But how many of you are glad whenever he's first in your life, he's all you need? That's why, why Paul wrote, my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, amen? And then he talked about Naaman the leper, and he said there are a lot of people with leprosy in Israel, but in the days of Elisha, Elisha was only ministering to Naaman, and only Naaman got healed. Now, what do those two people represent? The lady represents the people in desperation who say, I don't have enough. And Jesus was saying, listen, if you'll go beyond instruction to receiving the invitation to walk with, with God, listen, God will start supplying your needs. Naaman represents pride, people who think they can control everything. And one day you realize you can't control everything, but you need to put God first if he's gonna bless your future, amen? So how do we do that? Well, four things we can learn from the book of Isaiah today. Number one, Jesus said, according to Isaiah, that he was called to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That word proclaim in the Hebrew means that we're called out and we're invited as a guest. We're given a special invitation. And whenever we get saved, that's what God does. He gives us a special invitation to experience his amazing goodness and his wonderful grace in our life. You know, think about Joseph this morning. If anybody ever had the world against him, it was Joseph, right? Here he was, just a young man. He served and helped his brothers, but their payback to him was to sell him in slavery to Egypt. Then he works for a boss, and he does such a great job, the boss doesn't even have to show up anymore. And uh, the company prospers more than it's ever prospered. What did the boss do? The boss put him in prison because of it. But we're told the story of Joseph that he received the special invitation that God had to work in his life. And that's the reason that God blessed him and make it, made him prime minister of Egypt under Pharaoh. And Genesis 39 makes it so clear. It tells us, first in verse 2, that the Lord was with Joseph. Then in verse 3, it says the Lord gave him success in everything he did. 
Verse 5, he said the blessing of the Lord was on again everything he did. Verse 21, we're told again the Lord was with him. And then in verse 23, we're told the Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success in whatever he did. Here's the, the next thing Isaiah taught about God's grace and that is it's not only a special invitation, but it causes us to experience his grace or it brings a special power into our life. Isaiah went on and says that the, that, that the Spirit of God wants to comfort all who mourn. He wants to console those who mourn in Zion. And he wants to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, all of us here today, when we feel this heaviness like we can't handle things, listen, it's going to make a big difference whether you just try to live with adrenaline and make things happen, or whether you choose to receive the anointing of God well in your life who can make things happen you could never make happen for yourself and Isaiah tells us how to receive the anointing first of all he says let God comfort you that word comfort means to strengthen and there's nothing I love more than whenever I feel like there's no way and I know there's no way but I come in the presence of God and he begins to strengthen me and when he strengthened me, I know I have not just enough to get through it, I've got more than enough to get through it. Some of you are in that place today, and I just want to encourage you, learn to read your Bible, learn to find life in God, and it won't be long till you're saying like the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.13, you know what, I'm not heavy anymore, I'm not mourning anymore. I've got an anointing on the inside of my heart and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Watch out, sadness and sorrow. I'm stepping in to the success God has for my life. Amen? See, it starts with God's strength in our soul. But then the word, next word is it says he consoles us. And God not only strengthens you and blesses you, but then he charges you with a plan. He says, I want you to get something done for me. You could never do in your own strength. And then the next word, it says, he comforts, he consoles, and he gives. And the word give is a Greek word, which means he gifts something to you. You could never do it in your own strength, but because you're his partner, he gives you the part that you couldn't do if it wasn't for him. And it's not that you don't have an important part to do. It's just that the people can see you're God's son. You're God's daughter. You're his favorite. He wants to do things for you that are unique to your life. And he wants to bless you in special ways. You know, my kids did something really special this Father's Day. Uh, first of all, they bought me this outdoor projector so I can sit and watch all my favorite cartoons with my five grandchildren. But, but they did something else, and that is they, they know I love words, so they, they wrote me from each family four thank yous, things they were grateful for that I did for them as their dad. And Jeffrey wrote this one where he said, you know, Dad, you remember the game when we played the school rival, and Jeffrey was an underclassman, so he probably wasn't going to get in the game, but the upperclassmen fouled out, and so it was come to the end of the game, and this game meant who goes to the playoffs and who doesn't go to the playoffs, so of course Jeffrey was nervous. He was a little guy, so they kind of just ignored him, thinking he wouldn't do anything, and he shot one ball in the hoop and shot another ball in the hoop, and they thought, we better pay attention to this guy, and then it was down to the critical point in the game and he broke free and his teammates trusted him enough to throw the ball and he was going in for a layup by himself and the guy pushed him 
into the wall. And he wrote, Dad, you wouldn't believe how painful it was when I hit that wall. And I mean, the whole gym went crazy. Our fans were screaming, that should be a technical. Throw him out of the game. Yes, we're Christians, but we like to win. Can somebody say amen? (laughs) And then the rest were all gathered together. And I looked at his mom and I thought, Lord, help me. I don't want to post bail after this game, Lord. Help me keep her under control. And then Jeffrey said, I remember, Dad, that your voice rose above all the other voices. And you said, Gut check, Jeffrey, you can do this. And he said, I got up from the floor, and I want you to know he sank both of those free throws, and we went on to the playoffs. Can you say amen? Now, I share that story because I hear the Spirit of God saying to some of you, gut check. Yes, you're in mourning. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, you wonder how you're going to make it, but I'll tell you how you're going to make it. Your God loves you. You're his favorite. His favor's upon you. He's going to help you walk into this next season of your life. Can you say amen? If we understand, it's a special invitation. We receive his grace. And then there's a third thing the Bible says that we'll end up reflecting the goodness of God. It says that people who receive comfort when they mourn and God's consolation and he starts blessing their life and giving them things, it says you'll be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And really that's what happens. So many people think Christianity is their responsibility. And because of that, they're, they're focused on doing everything right. And we should do all the right that we, should, that we can because what we sow, we reap. And when we do right, we get right. When we do wrong, we get wrong. But listen, that's not going to bring to pass what only partnership with the Lord will bring to pass in our life. And for every one of us who are here today, God loves us like we love our children. Every single one of us are so special to him. And when we go through a difficult time, he wants our life to mirror and reflect the great love that God has for every single one of us who are here today. And the Bible says that we're called to reflect his goodness. And then one final thing that the passage of Isaiah pointed out, and that is he said that we shall rebuild the old ruins. We shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. And can I tell you something about America right now is we need to vote for the right politicians, and I'm not telling you who to vote for, but I'm just telling you when right people are in power, right laws are in power. When wrong people are in power, wrong laws are in power. And there are people who want to hurt the church, and if they get into offices, they may end up hurting the church, even though they can't stop the church. Can you say amen? But can I tell you who's going to rebuild America? Can I tell you who's going to restore the heart of America to the greatness it had whenever I was a child? No politician can do that, but I'm telling you, sons and daughters of the Most High God all across America who've tasted of the goodness of God, we're going to tell our neighbors, we're going to tell the next generation, listen, God is going to deliver and help and bless you because he loves you so much. Can you say amen? That's our call as believers. And as we close this series in the middle, let's remember why Jesus stood before the people of his hometown and said, listen, don't live with a shattered heart. Live with a healed soul. Don't let circumstances sin has defined you with have the last word. Let the Holy Spirit have the last word. Listen, don't be a person who thinks there are no solutions. The Bible says with every temptation, God will make a way of escape for you.
Don't let the enemy oppress you any longer because your father loves you and he wants to bless your future. How does it happen? The favor of the Lord. Everybody say the favor of the Lord. So let me encourage you to do these three things to step into the favor of the Lord today. Number one, embrace his acceptance of you. He loves you. You don't have to measure up to him. As a matter of fact, if I have a child who does wrong, if I have a child who, who God forbid, but if they ever had an addiction, if they were ever broken, if they were ever hurting, if they were ever in a lifestyle that was, you know, not good, and I knew that they could never find happiness in that lifestyle, I'm not going to scream at them. I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to love that child more than I've ever loved that child in their entire life because I want them to know they got a daddy who loves them. How many of you are glad God loves us just the way we are? Can you say amen? So number one, embrace his acceptance of you. Number two, pursue his approval of you. Because how many of you know God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way we are? Can you say amen? And then the final thing is Trust that you can accomplish his purposes for your life through his ability. Not through your own strength, but because when you do your part, he's somehow walking right beside you, ready to do his part in your life. Amen? Now let me share my final story. This is about a lady who was in our church for lots of years, Betty Williamson. She is Pastor Larry's mother-in-law. That's the only reason Pastor Larry's holy, if you want to know the truth. No, I'm just kidding. But... Pastor Larry's mother-in-law, Jenny's mother. And one Friday, I was all finished up, and I thought, well, I'm going to walk down the hall and pester a few people before I go home. So I was walking down the hall. You know, I was going from pastor to pester. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I was walking down the hall, and there's this guy wandering around like he was lost. So I said, can I help you? And he said, well, I'm looking for Betty Williamson, who used to come up and, and volunteer a lot at the church back in those days. And I said, oh, I can take you to her. And as we went, he said, hey, can I tell you my story? I said, sure, tell me your story. He said, well, I, I live in Dallas-Fort Worth now, but I grew up in Victoria. And he said, when I lived here, he said, I went through an incident in my childhood that physically impaired me. And he said, because of that, when I was in school, people never thought I could do well. And he said, I started putting at the top of my test papers the word dumb, and he said, I was just reminding the teachers not to expect too much of me because I could only do so much. He said, I kept getting passed. He said, I, didn't, I wasn't even trying my best, and they just kept kind of passing me along. And uh, he said, they were just having mercy on me. But he said, then one day, Miss Williamson became my teacher. And he said, she said, can I see you after class? And he said, I want to talk with her. And she looked at me, and she said, why are you writing dumb? on the top of your paper. And he told her why he was writing dumb on the top of her paper. And she said, well, listen to me. God created you. And you're not dumb. You're special in the sight of God. And it's my job as an ambassador of Jesus to bring out the, the greatness that's on the inside of you. And from that day forward, she had him quit writing dumb on his paper and instead, she had him start writing Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
You know what happened to him? He started getting better grades and better grades. Pretty soon confidence came in his heart. He could go to college. And he said today, he said, I'm not just a college graduate. I'm a seminary graduate. And I'm pastoring a church in Dallas-Fort Worth because somebody rebuilt my life. We sure hope you're feeling enthused about the days ahead of you because we all should be. God's invited us to experience His favor in ways that alter our futures and fill our hearts with joy. And we'll start a new series next week, Tamara, that's really designed around that. It's titled Dream Again, and it helps us obey Acts chapter 3 that tells us God wants to wipe out what sin has done to our life. And He wants to bring times of refreshing to our hearts and rewards into our life that really only His leadership can bring. I'm looking forward to next week. And Jim, I'm so excited about living out this next season of our lives too. Jesus said he came to bring us new life and abundant life and eternal life. And if our hearts are longing for these things, we can find them through living close to God and through experiencing his favor. Today, we're going to hear another story of someone doing just that. And when it's over, we'd be so blessed if you take the time to share your story with us on our asignificantlife.com website. Our prayer is for hearts to be attracted to God's goodness all over the world through this program. It was 1987 in my husband's Southern Baptist Church. I gave my life to Christ at age 25, 26. My husband got a job and moved across state. It was a good move overall, but it had a lot of challenges with it. It was just a struggle to adjust. I just started falling into a depression. As time went on, things just didn't get any better with the depression. In the year 2000, I attempted suicide. I just felt so hopeless, so depressed, so dark. I didn't see any way out. And then the Lord brought us to Texas. We were brought to Faith Family through someone that my husband worked with. It had everything in it that we were looking for. We were able to connect. We got in a Sunday school group, was invited to Ladies Bible Study. I've been there ever since. From the day I walked in here, I felt like I was home. So here I am now, all these years later, and I'm able to serve God in ways that I never thought I actually could. I serve in the women's ministry and in the married ministry with my husband. I'm just really blessed to be able to do that and uh, be able to reach as many people as I possibly can. We're just really blessed to be able to be here and be able to be used by God. We have a life that I never, ever dreamed of in my life before, ever. God had so much more for me. Yeah, Jesus is worth everything. If He is all I have, He's all I want. He's all I want to get through this life, because He's all we need. Join us at asignificantlife.com for more impact testimonies and to join our tribe. You'll also receive encouragement with Pastor Jim Graff's free weekly Step into Significance devotional. Visit asignificantlife.com today.